Welcome to the Relief Broadcast, bringing you joy and comfort to your day. I'm Seema Rao, Deputy Director and Chief Experience Officer of the Akron Art Museum. And I'm Gina Thomas-McGee, the Museum's Curator of Education. Hi, everyone. Hello. You know, I was, I was thinking our theme this week is capture, and I was thinking about how many uh, captures I have on my phone. I have so many pictures on my phone, and I am so thrilled that my phone now tells what brings me memories from five years ago, because I wouldn't have looked at those if I hadn't had them. Oh, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So we're talking about capture in terms of photography, mostly celebrating an exhibition and photographers. And I completely agree. I am so thankful that I have captured the most mundane things, the most mundane, I don't know, just happenings, and that I do get to look back on them like that. I have a lot of screen captures too. (laughs) I don't know if you have that, but it is an excellent tool for me to be able to remember things. I have a lot of recipes on screen capture, like a library book was due. And then I, had to, I was like, oh, I, but then I've never made the recipe. You know, I think like, you know, a thing that I think that's different when I look at our photographs in our collection and I think about them and I think, oh, that person spent a lot of time thinking about how they composed it. I'm not doing that on my phone. No, it's really true. Like I will be somewhere. I have a few friends who are photographers and we'll be somewhere together and, you know, I'll snap a photo of something for posterity or, you know, just to remember it or whatever. And they'll snap a photo as well. And like, mine's fine, but there's this entirely something different. And it's not like they had lighting to deal. It's just like a way of seeing, you know, we all have different ways of seeing and just like, I'm fascinated by that. You know, it's, it is that way of seeing. I was thinking a lot about how uh, recently I was looking at a photo collection. I was looking at these works actually from the night show. And I was thinking also how different each of their ways of seeing all of our, photo- we have such a great photo collection. I'm not an encyclopedic knowledge of photography, but I could easily tell who was X artist, Gilbert and George. I was like, oh, there's a Gilbert and George. Uh, Thomas Struth, there's a Thomas Struth. And those two are so antithetical, even if they're using basically the same tool. Yeah, exactly. Which is... I feel like we don't think about it as much, or at least I don't, with different media or different tools that artists use. You never look at like a Renaissance painting and a contemporary painting and be like, oh, I can't believe how different they are. Like, of course they're different. But if you think of like, these are both photographs, I don't know. I expect them to be have more in common, but there's no, I mean, why would they? I, I don't know. I it's because it's mechanical. I mean, I think a thing mm. that people have about photography that I it always strikes me, and you know, I think photography is one of the newer of the arts. Obviously, digital arts even newer, but that people somehow perceive well, like a machine did it. Right. Yeah. Like I mean, I guess, but <laughs> but you know, there's lots of things that are machines that you know are used for all kinds of things. Like the idea that also the artists or artists in general kind of captured the technology as well and like used it for something totally different. Like cameras weren't made to make art, right? But artists were early adopters and started using the tool for something else to make art. And I think artists are still doing that now, right? Yeah, it's like they're harnessing, like harnessing nature, but they're harnessing this machine. And I mean, it is sort of like, I look at, you know, the Carrie Mae Weem or the Video Conchi in the show and they've decided like, hey, you know, I'm using the photograph, but I'm going to put words in and I'm going to frame it really interesting. And in a lot of ways, photography is sort of, even though obviously it's a wonderful photographic prize, 
in some ways, photography isn't the point. It's how photography is the tool towards the point. Exactly. I mean, you know, the comparison to a brush or, you know, a lump of clay, like it's the same thing, right? It's just the material and the tool. So it's still fascinating to me, though. I'm just because it is at once like so accessible and then so beyond what I even can understand at the same time. I mean, I don't pick up a paintbrush every day. I don't pick up a printing press every day, but I do pick up a camera every single day. And yet still the process in which some of the artists in the exhibition and in our collection, their process is still so fascinating, even though it's something that I use all of the time. Yeah, it is. It's so fascinating. Like there's a Dieter Atfeld is the Mm. photographer who's in the show and he was an opera singer. He was an opera performer, I should say. And he makes himself part of his art. And so there's one that's in the show and then there's a large one in the show. And then there's another one that is in the show Reflections where he is breathing into a mirror. And so Mm. he's in the back of his head and in the mirror, you see his face. And I love that image. I just find it so fascinating because to me, what he's capturing is, and a lot of the photographs, um, both in Reflections and Night are like this, they're capturing a minute. Yes. A moment that like could, would disappear, would be ephemeral if not caught. Yes, exactly. And I mean, doing that as and recording yourself is like next level, I think, because photographing other people or another scene, you're capturing something, but you're still a little bit on the outside. And it it also is different than drawing yourself or painting yourself. The artists who capture themselves in their work. I don't know. That's that's really inspiring to me to be able to see yourself as a subject. And maybe they don't take themselves out of it. Maybe they're really still in it, but I don't know. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> Maybe they are. I, I actually, I mean, I have, I'd have to think about, I don't know if I've read a lot. I know that Cindy Sherman talks about herself as basically a tool for her art, but also as another artist who's in the show, who's a self-portrait, who's done self-portraits in Dieter Apple and John Copeland's. I, so I haven't read about the other people. This is another one. This show is a really good show to me of thinking about using yourself as a tool to understand mm-hmm. it. Because I cannot take a, like, a selfie or anything without looking like a fool. Like, I cannot not think about me. I just can't. Like, I can't not think, oh, my hair looks weird or whatever. And so it's a good way to see the the artist process. I don't know if they've truly taken themselves out, but the surface looks like they've taken themselves out. They're not looking goofy. They're not, they're really about that art. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like you can look at a self-portrait that is a photograph and tell whether or not the artist took it, like, or that it's just a person that the artist took a picture of? I'm thinking about like the Jen Davis photographs and she photographs herself. And to me, those look like she is photographing herself. It's so personal to me. Like, I don't know. She really is capturing something there that I don't think I would have seen otherwise. They're like, I love those photographers, photographers are like, oh, they're so good. I love those photographs. I think those aren't in the show, but I think that they're such a great example. They're so emotional. So I don't know the answer to that. I think it's a good question. And I don't know how you would tell on the surface, but what I know about those Jen Davis photographs is, and I think it's probably, this is what Cindy Sherman says about herself too, that there are stories you cannot tell without having like that volition. I think about, you know, sometimes this is very different than Jen Davis photographs, but I am um, sorry to say that my Christmas tree, I have to put everything where I want it to look good. (laughs) You know, we have two Christmas trees, one that the kids can do, and I don't care what it looks like. And then I have one that I know if I place it in a certain way, it will look the way I want it to look. And I do think that some of these photographers are using themselves because they can get out of the camera what they need because they're putting it in. They're using themselves like as an ingredient. 
Right, for sure. So if you had the choice, you're not going to photograph yourself. If we did look at, you know, like your, I don't know, what, what do they call that? Like your uh, collection of photographs in your phone, what do you capture most often? What do you think in there? So I would love to say it's my children because that should be the answer, <laughs> but I'm afraid that it is things I think that look cool. You said it earlier, like things I want to remember that look cool. And it's often things like a textile or somebody's shirt or something I've seen somewhere and screenshots and things like that. And my pets, my pets are my, my dog is probably like way up more than my kids. <laughs> what about you? That's very relatable. I mean, I think my children for sure are the most photographed in my phone, but I do often take pictures of their hands, not because I feel like it's moodier or anything, but I just like to capture what they're doing. And we do this a lot in the museum too. Like sometimes when we want to get across a feeling of an event that's upcoming, we'll use like pictures of people's hands. If it is a hands-on event, we'll use pictures of people's hands, like doing things. I think it tells so much. I also really like pictures of shadows and then also puddles. <laughs> Again, not moody, more like silly ones where it looks like, I don't know, a shadow is cutting through something and splicing it. Or I took a picture the other day. I stopped in the museum parking lot because there was a puddle in the shape of a heart. And it was like the day before Valentine's Day, which I thought was so funny. And it just like, it made me laugh out loud. And people who were passing by probably thought I was, I don't know, having an issue, but uh, I was like, ha ha, you know, I just like some, something I was so delighted by and I don't want to forget for some reason. I don't know. You know, it makes me wonder, I feel like people who are listening should go back to their phones and, you know, you're saying like, you're talking about basically we might call it genre scenes or scenes of everyday life with your family. And then also in some ways, natural still lives, right? Like you're saying, like, you know, these kinds of things, my spouse often takes pictures of landscapes of things, mm. you know, like there's can be just, you know, we go to the lake a lot in the summer and there's just like lots of pictures that all just look like blue, you know, <laughs> just, they all look the same. And so, you know, I bet that when we think about our photography collection, we have all of those things. I wonder if people look at what they have on their phones, if it matches what they like in photography or if it's different. Ooh. Mine would be almost the opposite. I feel like I would like to look at something that somebody captured that I wouldn't have seen because there's probably a bunch of photographs, you know, in my collection, <laughs> you know, photographs that I've taken where there's more interesting stuff happening in the background and I've taken a, a picture of the most obvious thing. So I would want to see the opposite of what I would take probably. Me too. I would. I don't take a lot of pictures of people. Like I have to remember to take them, but I love pictures, photographs that show people. Mm. And I That's don't know, like we have a couple in the show, of, we have a few pictures of dogs and pets or animals, I should say. I don't know if there was somebody's pet, but I don't know if I actually really care about those. Hmm, Which maybe, I mean, that's another thing, right? The photographer is not like a snapshot is to remember something right? because you have a personal connection on our phone, but these photographers are doing something totally different with the same basic device. Exactly. They can just capture it somehow they can capture it. So maybe we should turn it over to a deep dive about capturing. The flickering candles of a birthday cake. The crash of a cannonball across the surface of a swimming pool. The image of a snowflake as it falls. These moments happen in an instant and then they're gone. Where are they? I'm Sloan King Owen, Education Coordinator at Akron Art Museum. This week's deep dive looks at what it means to capture one of those fleeting moments. 
Join me now as we take a deep breath and do some slow looking with this week's selection. In this photograph titled Inu no Kyoko Shusho, Memory of Dog Epilogue from 2001, Daido Moriyama finds a moment of relative stillness in the normally bustling cityscape of Japan. It's the dead of night, away from the busy main roads of the city center. You make a turn onto a side road and then a darkened alley. The air around you grows thick with quiet heaviness. The scene is devoid of the people, the traffic, and the commerce of the fully modernized Japan we know. Even the wildlife and street dogs have moved on and found other places to rest for a time. The city in this moment is empty and still. Ever the urban documentarian, Daido Moriyama uses a compact camera sleek in its covert efficiency and easily palmed. The lightness of the camera allows the artist to move quickly, stealing glimpses of the world and snapshots. The modern world, for all its haste and hurry, is reflected in the bokeh, or the rough graininess of the motion, like of the snowflakes as they tumble down to earth. It is a glance he gives us rather than a gaze. The effort of the capture happens quickly, but the photograph itself is something that allows us to linger longer. Slowly, our eyes take in what the artist presents us. It's high contrast, black and white photography, an ambiguous image of snow falling across the power lines that could just as easily have been shot in our own snowy Akron than in the nameless Japanese city side street it depicts. The ground is littered with the footsteps of people who are no longer there to witness this moment. No light escapes the shuttered doors and windows on either side of the alleyway. A single pylon and one downturned street lamp stands sentry as hundreds of snowflakes as big as the moon drop down between the loosely interwoven power lines on their way to the earth. You imagine yourself as the sole witness to this moment. The artist raises their camera and snap. The moment is gone, but not forever. Now, captured like time in a bottle, we can linger and look on as long as we'd like. This has been this week's deep dive. Join me next time for another quiet moment with the art. I've been Sloan, and thanks for looking. Hey, it's Caitlin, and for this episode Shop Talk, I'm speaking with fine art photographer and educator Lori Kella. Lori lives on the shores of Lake Erie in Cleveland, which proves to show a huge inspiration for her work. Her work focuses on the complexity of 21st century landscapes um, with issues such as erosion and global warming. At her home studio, she crafts miniature scenes mimicking places she's been or imagined, photographs them, and ultimately captures realistic-looking scenes that trick the eye. Lori's work has been featured many times at the Akron Art Museum, most recently in Continuum historical resonances, and contemporary art. 
Without further ado, here's Lori Kella's Shop Talk. To start off, the episode's topic is capture. And I'm curious, what does that word or thing mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I think as a photographer, I mean, capture, I can't really help but think about the camera and what it is to capture an image and this idea of the image as this maybe split second or, or fraction of a second of time. And in some ways, this very incompleteness yet permanence of the image. And so I suppose, yeah, I can't help but think about it at least mostly in terms of the camera or at least that type of, even if it's cameraless image making, that very kind of fleeting moment that is somehow made permanent. Yeah, that's great. I figured you might've taken it that direction. The next question is our artwork feature discussion is, and I might be mispronouncing by Dieto Moriyama in this image here. What is your like initial thoughts behind it? Or do you have like a connection to this work? It's, he's a very much a street photographer compared to your work, which is in studio. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I certainly, I, I'm familiar with the work and certainly there's interesting ways, even though I feel like it's nature being very much street photography, there's still some kind of interesting connections to me between it. And so like just looking at the image, I think for me, the things that really strike me are the sort of mystery about it. And it has a very cinematic quality. And I'm just a person like, I really love film and this idea of the sort of mystery and the story. And so I think when I look at that and I look at like the footprints in the snow and that darkness, and I think that sense of mystery and that sense of kind of incompleteness or like not knowing I think those are the attributes that really strike me. And then, you know, maybe we can talk later about like some connections I can see between my own work, even though it's very different in many ways. Actually, I would love to hear that. Yeah. What do you draw between the two? I think there are two things that I think are interesting and especially because his working style is so different than my own, but I think both of us, and, you know, I hate to speak for another artist, but I think we both in some ways use photography, but also sort of struggle with its limitations. And so- I think he's almost sometimes described as like an anti-photographer or something. I mean, it's street photography, but he really, it's like, it's gritty, it's raw. And I think in many ways, he's trying to capture this moment, right? That's like you, that you can't ever really capture with the camera. And I think in my own work, I've chosen a very different way that I'm looking mm-hmm. at the landscape and I'm trying to capture the essence of what it is to be there or what it will be like in the future that I can't get with my, I, or I feel I can't get with, you know, just snapping a picture. I'll snap things for reference. And that's why I go back to the studio and start to build things to try to tap into what that experience is like. And even though his is so much more instantaneous and raw, I think there's this way where we're both trying to get to what it is to be a human and sort of experience the landscape or the world around us. And we've chosen maybe two totally different ways to tackle doing that with the photograph. Sure. That's interesting that you brought up like the limitations of photographs. I like that connection. This is a little different from maybe the typical studio-based practice question but I'm going to dive into these questions. Uh, So what's the first thing you do in the morning? Um, to, I mean, to me, it's not really that interesting. I mean, to me, it's essential. I have my cup of coffee and I really enjoy like 20 minutes to just drink the coffee. I mean, I'm often like, you know, waiting for like the New York Times little like newsletter to sure. come in my box and sort of, you know, read the news of the day and just sort of kind of mindlessly scroll through a little bit of what's happening and just have that time to, to like kind of silently drink yes. before I like jump off to get ready. 
No, that's great. I always love hearing what people do differently in the morning. And I feel like coffee is always like the through line for most artists. So to transition a bit, what are your three desert island studio needs? I mean, I think this is this is tough, of course, because like, of course, as artists, we're always like want more and can pull more things in there. I mean, I think first it's interesting because I don't always love the camera, but I was like, well, I would really want a camera. And I, that I had to think about that. I do have like solar battery chargers because I feel like if I'm bringing it to a desert island for it to work as a digital camera, that would be really (laughs) or a film camera and like some endless supply of film. Sure. And then just, you know, pencil and paper, I think for me, I really do love to draw and love that process of, of translating. And I think the simplicity of that seems important as well. I love that you thought about the solar power batteries. (laughs) Cause what, what good would the camera be if it like, you know, steps working. Yes, of course. (laughs) And maybe of those three or separately, what's your favorite tool? You know, this is hard to, I mean, if I had to pick of those three, I mean, I do think there's something really eloquent about, you know, just the humble pencil and it's, you know, sort of origins. But I also think just as a tool, I also, there's something I really love about like the hand drill and the interesting sort of mechanism. I used to have an old hand drill from my great grandfather. And this just like the kind of gears and the wooden handle and just like as an object. And like how how it works really speaks to me in some way. Okay. I love that you called it the humble pencil because it is so humble and people tend to overlook it. Are you a mechanical pencil person or um, like traditional lead? No, just traditional like number two pencil. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And then I have five this or that questions. So try to do a rapid fire, but I have to be honest that I forgot to write them down. I suck at these. I mean, I don't know why it's like your own (laughs) opinion, but I find them challenging. They can be very challenging. So my first one is fast or slow. I think of slow. Okay. Yeah. And then old or new? Ooh, that's hard. Um, new. New. Okay. Morning or night? Morning. Okay. And my last one, salty or sweet? Ooh, that one, that one's really hard too, but I think I'm more of a savory person. I think. Okay. So I don't love salt, but I think savory over sweet. I'd go with that one. I'm the same savory for sure. And lastly, what is your like overall silver lining, whether that's studio based or just life in general? Yeah. I mean, I think this is hard because sometimes you have to think about it in terms of other people too. And my thoughts about it, less studio based, but was really cooking. I, I think I, I love to cook and I feel like in terms of like my family life or home life, I'm pretty like if you just have like a handful of ingredients, I'm really pretty good at coming up with making something really pretty tasty out of it. And if we think about the pandemic, mm-hmm. I felt like during, I guess, the beginning of the pandemic where you're trying not to go to the grocery store like that, I felt was like my superpower was the fact that I could go to the grocery store, get like three weeks worth of groceries and still manage to cook like lots of fresh vegetables and amazing meals like I could get for three That's weeks. That's awesome. Family. So yeah. Do you have like a favorite meal that you've cooked that that's kind of impromptu or like a standard piece. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's so many different things that I like. I mean, lately, just as it was more winter, um, just lots of roasted vegetables. I think just roasting anything from carrots to cauliflower just makes it so much more delicious. Yeah. That's awesome. And I guess this is an opportunity you mentioned that you have upcoming work. Do you have any upcoming opportunities or a show? 
Yeah. So actually, I'm not sure exactly when this will air, but I have a solo show coming up at Photocentric Gallery that opens on April 1st, and it's up through the middle of May. And that is the newest work that I've been creating. So I've been working on some things that look at the eroding shoreline and building these different landscapes that then kind of deconstruct them to make this kind of shoreline that's disappearing. So, and then I also will have some of that same work. I have an Akron Soul Train residency that's coming up in June, and I believe the exhibition will be in July. And so that will be a continuation of that same work. Oh, awesome. Well, congratulations. And this will air in April. So that's perfect for people to check out Photocentric. Well, thank you, Lori. I appreciate you spending a little bit of time with me this morning on your spring break. And I hope you and Michael and Ethan are well. It's been great to chat with you. Yeah, yeah, we're great. And it's been wonderful to see you as well. So I yeah. really appreciate you think, thinking of me. So yeah, of course. Well, have a wonderful morning. Thank you so much for listening to the Relief Podcast, an artful break from your day. 